Hello, and welcome to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast, a resilience podcast where we talk about all the challenging things that we're working to overcome, like anxiety, health, and relationship issues. My name is Sarah. Welcome to another episode of the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. You may have noticed that I've been starting to release episodes sometimes every two weeks. It's not necessarily intentional, but I am just trying to give myself a little bit of grace. It's been a really busy period for me um, at work. And so I've thought, you know, spreading some of these episodes and recordings out a little bit, taking some pressure off has been a nice way to manage that. But I do have a few great episodes um, still ready to go. And and so I do want to keep getting these out to everybody. So today is no exception. I am super excited to share this interview that I did recently with Sam Guaz. Sam is a virtual coach. She has a BS in nutrition and an MS in kinesiology and sports nutrition. And she's somebody that I've been following for a while on Instagram. So as I've talked about many times, I've been through a big journey around my own body and body acceptance. And I went through a huge weight loss journey and fitness journey really, and focused everything on that for for quite some time. And then when the pandemic hit, I really was reassessing, you know, the amount of time I was putting into certain things and sort of my rigidity around food. And I've been working with my therapist on all of that. And so coming across Sam and some of her teachings on Instagram and understanding a little bit more about what she's doing and how she melds her love for fitness, which I also have, with her love for food, which I also have, and and really brings down that focus on rigidity that we see so much when somebody is into fitness and food, right? So I really wanted to talk to her and get her impression on how to balance working out for the right reasons with eating in a healthful way, but that doesn't focus on body size and body fat percentage and how much your muscles pop in photos and all of those things to try to learn a little bit more about this perspective that she takes. So Sam has been putting great vibes out into the world on Instagram in particular, where she shows her tough workouts. She shows how she hits her protein goals. She loves a collagen coffee. And she also shows that she actually eats food and enjoys life and spends time with um, her special people and doing fun things. So I did want to pick her brain about her approach. And this is really where I aspire to be. And I hope I'm on the journey to get there. Um, But I think you're going to find some really great insights from Sam in this interview. We find out kind of where her health philosophy comes from, what her relationship is with her body and food and how she moved past the idea of restrictive eating and some of the tools that she's using when she's coaching clients um, depending on what their goals are and things like that. 
So I hope you're going to enjoy this episode as much as I did. I totally felt that I was fanning out here because I was just so excited to connect with her and so grateful for her time. So enjoy this episode with Sam Guaz. So welcome, Sam, to the podcast. I'm happy to connect with you today. I am stoked to be here. Thank you so much. Excellent. So I'm such a big fan. I I love all of your stuff on Instagram. So I'm so excited. Um, Why don't we start with hearing a little bit about your background in terms of how you got into your current coaching work? Yeah, so I'll give you the the shorter ish version. Uh, I really feel like my passionate interest in health, fitness, nutrition, exercise came from a really active childhood. I was always playing sports and ultimately always trying to lose weight. I, since I was, you know, eight, nine years old, was always trying to be thinner. And the, like, while I was obsessed with fitness and nutrition, I was also obsessed with looking a certain way. And I really pivoted into that field, getting my undergrad degree in nutritional science, dietetics, my master's in kinesiology and sport nutrition, And falling in love with bodybuilding, too, was a big part of kind of my educational background. I started coaching mostly in the context of body transformations, because that was something that I had experienced and felt really empowered by in that moment. But the lack of sustainability really drove me crazy and ultimately allowed me to pivot into the kind of coaching that I provide now, which is much more all-encompassing. It's not just about the way that you look. It's also about the way that you feel and the other aspects of life that contribute to this larger picture of fulfillment and happiness and confidence, which is not just the way that you look. It's not just the way that you feel. It's your mental health. It's your relationships with other people. It's your job. It's your career. It's all of these other things that are so important that I never want my clients or really anyone to sacrifice in the pursuit of looking a certain way. Yeah, absolutely. That makes so much sense. And yeah, I've kind of went through something similar in terms of, you know, a transformation and then struggling with the sustainability part. So yeah, I can, I can totally understand where you're coming from there. So what would you say is sort of the difference between your health philosophy and then some of the others that we run into kind of like diet culture focused and how has it really changed? I think the biggest difference for me that I see now and that I've kind of experienced over the last couple of years is, uh, and something that I experienced when I was younger as well is like really fixating on your insecurities and making that the driving force for what you choose to do. So for most of my life, I chose to exercise and eat a certain way because of my insecurities. I hated my body. And so I participated in a lot of activities and things that were ultimately pretty harmful towards my mental health, physical health. Uh, Like I was really desperate to look a certain way. And so the way I viewed exercise and nutrition was in that context. However, now exercising the way that I choose to fuel my body and eat has a lot more to do with choosing to love my body and to take care of it. Uh, And I think in contrast, and a lot of times due to the fact that I mistreated myself for so long, 
I feel so much more compelled to take care of myself now because of that. Uh, but it took a long time for me to switch that mindset into what it is now. Yeah, no. And again, I can totally identify with that for sure that, you know, definitely. So I was somebody just so that you understand, like growing up very overweight, kind of lost a bunch of weight in high school, then, you know, kind of stayed overweight-ish for quite a while. And then um, started working with the trainer, like weightlifting, doing all of the nutrition, everything. And, and then really got to like this, like super fit point. And then from there, though, it's like, well, where do you go from there? It's, a, it's so hard to maintain. And so I totally hear you, though, on the fixating on insecurities, because when I did go through sort of that latest work with the trainer, a lot of that motivation was kind of from a negative place, like sort of like I've been sick of doing this my whole life, you know, like I, I, I want to change and and look different, as you said, right. And I can totally see now that I look at it. I'm like, wow, that was so negative, like, you know, not good for me to be kind of I'm going to run, but not because I'm like, yay, I want to run and exercise and sweat, but more because I felt like I had to. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And I think a big part of that comes from what your values are when you're young. And when you're young, you especially, and this could just be my own experience, but when you're young, the most important thing to you is to be accepted, mm. um, to fit in, to really your looks are a big part of, of what matters to you when you're younger. Mm-hmm. And not to say that they, they stop mattering to you as you get older, but I think that as you grow older, you develop so many other values and appreciations for other things in life that trump the way that you look. If that, if that kind of makes sense, yeah. at least that's the journey that I've kind of been on and, and what's helped me disassociate so strongly with my, my outside body, like the way that I look and the value that I provide as just like a human being. Yes. Yeah. That you're not, yeah, your sum of your whole is not what you look like. Exactly. That makes so much sense. And I think one of the things that's so tricky, because I'm sort of on this journey now to pick apart, like, well, I do value exercise and I do Mm -hmm. value, you know, food that is nourishing to me. You know, there are certain things that I ate when I was cutting weight, let's Mm -hmm. say, but that I still actually enjoy. Right. And so, it's it's really hard when you're continuing to eat to sort of tease that apart. Do you know what I mean? Like, and and I still want to be active, but then it's like making that mindset switch, as you said, in terms of well, being active for the right reasons, like I want to spend time with friends and family at, in an active way, or I in I do enjoy weightlifting. I do enjoy running to an extent, right? Like, um. And, and it's, it's hard to kind of bring that all together. So how have you done that? How have you made that mindset switch to, to kind of something that's more self-loving, I guess I would say? Yeah, it's really interesting that you bring up enjoying things that you did when you were actively pursuing weight loss or, you know, you were actively really just only caring about the way that you looked on the outside because I went through and I still tend to struggle sometimes with the idea of um, 
you know, X, Y, Z is one thing. Uh, this food is a diet food. This food is a bad food or it's a, it's a food that's going to lead to weight gain, right? It's this black and white thinking that I used to, and sometimes still do participate in where, you know, this one thing is one way. And that's how I looked at exercise. That's how I looked at certain foods. That's how I looked at a lot of like, even myself, like, oh, if I wasn't following this specific plan, then I was gaining weight. If I wasn't actively trying to lose weight, then I was, you know, I falling off course or, you know, what, however you want to phrase it. And that black or white thinking was really harmful. And I think it can be really harmful because when I was really trying to focus more so on my mental health, alleviating myself from this constant desire to change the way that I looked and really try and like fix my behaviors to be happier and less concerned with the way that I looked and constantly fixated on that. And a big, I think, thing that helped me was looking at things from like a different perspective of like, instead of, uh, you know, like these foods, I only ate with them when I was dieting. Well, I actually really enjoyed a lot of those things, a lot of those meals that I was eating, even though my goal at the time was weight loss, or even though, you know, whatever my goal was at the time, it doesn't mean that that specific food was the root of weight loss, right? Like I can still implement a variety of different things, even habits that I was consistent with when, you know, I was trying to lose weight or in the depths of my eating disorder, just because I was doing those things and mentally I was unwell doesn't mean that when I'm mentally well, I can't incorporate those things and lead a perfectly happy and healthy life. Okay, that makes so much sense Um, that, yeah, it's really about the mindset of it. It's not about the specific kind of activity or food or or what have you. So I guess, you know, kind of a broader question, though, is like, why do you think so many of us do struggle with this relationship between kind of our body and our behaviors? Like, do you think it's it's kind of a culture thing? Or do you think like certain people um, are more suspect to it, I guess, than others? Um, You did mention the acceptance thing as well. Do you think that that's part of it? I think it's a little bit of everything. I mean, we're such a diverse group of people uh, on this planet. And, and it's funny that we a lot of a lot of us struggle with the same things, right? We're all so very different. And yet we all in some way, shape or form typically struggle with some kind of insecurity. Uh, I think the way that we grow up, the values that are instilled in us, whether it be from, uh, you know, like movies or TV or your family or, you know, at school, like we're instilled with all these values. And one thing that we're not taught, and this is something that I, I think would be so valuable. And I think there's a wide spectrum of things that are so valuable that we're not taught at a young age is like how to take care of yourself, how to love yourself, how to embrace a healthy lifestyle, how to embrace health at any size, how to fuel your body how to take care of your body through activity and why, like, why are we participating in physical education? Well, quote unquote education as kids, right? I think, I don't think we're given enough respect almost at a young age to understand these concepts that are going to carry us through the rest of our life. 
Um, I mean, again, like there's a lot of topics that I think could be covered at a younger age or even just in high school that are so valuable, but are not a part of the curriculum. And so we're left with this value system, not a whole lot of education and how to take care of ourselves mentally, physically, you know, and so on. And there's just this huge gap in understanding that we have to, you know, try and bridge on our own and through a bunch of trial and error, hopefully get there. Yeah, that's a great point. Like we're sort of given this food guide or whatever in health class and that's about it. There's no, you know, self self care or or mental health piece that goes along with it or you know here's here's maybe how to navigate some of this and probably cuz so many of the world doesn't have it figured out i i could imagine too right yeah. um so you know something that i really struggled with when i was doing a lot of weightlifting and and honestly my whole life um even when i was heavier and so you would never know it to look at me um but was restrictive eating, right? Like often being on sort of like a cycle of really restricting and then binging. And that's something that I'm really working to break now is is sort of this like scarcity mindset, I guess, around food. I wondered if that's something that you experienced as well. And then if so, like, how did you move past? Yeah, I've struggled in a lot of different areas with food. I've experienced times where I wasn't eating at all. I've experienced times where I was using exercise to accommodate for eating. So I was trying to exercise as much as I was eating. I've tried being vegan, which was very limiting in the nutrients I was able to consume. I've tried, I've had an eating disorder where I would eat a lot of food and then I would force myself to purge. I would eat foods and immediately due to like that binging and purging, I would immediately feel like anything I ate shouldn't be there. So I've struggled a lot mentally with food and my relationship with it and my relationship with my body and how it responded to food. And a lot of what I experienced was uh, obviously, you know, a mental health issue. It wasn't something that necessarily uh was true right it was a, i was living in a false reality where all where one plus one equals you know whatever number i created it to be right uh, i created this false reality that i was living in and due to that false reality i was scared of a lot of things it forced me to think differently about myself when i was eating when i wasn't eating and in order to move past that i had to like almost um, do the things that scared me and and really sit with them and participate in this quote unquote experiment of okay if I eat this and I don't throw up what happens uh, if I eat this and I go about my day how do I feel right so I really actively participated in this really scary journey that. Um, I think a lot of people avoid doing and avoid leaning into because it goes against every part of your being that wants to look a certain way, which Mm -hmm. if that's the most important thing to you, then you're not going to participate in this recovery journey because it's not important to you. And that was really a pivotal moment for me was my eating disorder and the 
toxic behaviors I was participating in, um, they started to be outweighed by this strong desire to be in a loving relationship with somebody else, right? I couldn't, I knew I couldn't do that if I was isolating myself and, you know, basically hiding a part of me from the world because I was, you know, in eating disorder and, and really disordered eating in general. It's not something that is so openly talked about all the time, whether it's in a committed relationship with friends, uh, even sometimes just with a therapist, like it's a really embarrassing thing sometimes I think to divulge in another person. So I, if I wanted to be in a you know committed, loving relationship, I knew I needed to take care of myself first so that I could be proud of myself and and feel like I wasn't being controlled by something else. Uh, I wanted to be more in control of you know, a healthier body and mindset uh, so that I could live the life that I ultimately wanted. So that desire for that life that I wanted started to outweigh this toxic and, you know, kind of crazy lifestyle that I was living. And that was really the big transitioning point for me was realizing that other things were more important than living in this kind of eating disordered reality. That is really great. Honestly, that makes so much sense because that was something that I actually, the flip side is what I was telling myself when I was kind of in the throes of training and, you know, restrictive eating and all those things was that my desire to look good was the biggest thing, right? And so to flip it the other way and say, no, it's actually more than just a size or you know, what you're perceiving to look good, but it's about having the lifestyle that you want to like being able to participate in life and not having it hold you back. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I think uh, one thing that really resonated and I couldn't tell you where this came from, but you know, sometimes you pick up on a phrase or a lesson from somebody else you hear it once or you see it on TV, whatever. And it really resonates with you. And one thing that resonated with me at the time was this idea of creating a priority list, list mm. out all of the things that are important to you and, and order them, you know, one to 10, one to whatever, what's the most important thing. And you'll find that, and maybe you don't, but your actions should reflect that list. So Mm. if the most important thing to me is to take care of my dog, well, then she's going to be number one on the list. And if someone asks me, hey, you want to go out for a drink, but I know my dog's sitting at home and she hasn't been outside for six hours, then I'm not going to go do that because I need to go take care of my dog who's been sitting at home for, you know, who knows how long and she needs to be let out, fed, whatever. Um, or if my number one priority is to take care of my health and well-being, then I'm going to make decisions that cater to that priority list that I have. It kind of makes your decision-making a little bit easier. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that's intuitively the action you're going to want to lean into. But if you have that set of like, these are my priorities listed, you know, top to bottom, most important, least important, then that makes your decision making a little bit more clear as to, okay, if I'm addressed with a option of of this or that, then I I know which direction I'm going to lean because I have this priority list as a guide for me. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. Um, do you find, and I don't know if you've seen this with some of your clients though, that have maybe said, yeah, okay, I'm going to make these changes. I'm healing my relationship with food and exercise and I want to not be focused on what you're looking like or my weight and things like that. And more focused on, yeah, the priorities, like what you're talking about. Do they, do they then struggle though? Cause this is something I've struggled with is feeling kind of like a failure though, in terms of weight. Like, so it's like, yes, I'm hitting this, like I'm participating in life. I'm having birthday cake on my children's birthdays and I'm, you know, not exercising three times a day, um, which are, are things that in my recovery have, you know, seemed like things that I need, need to change. Um, But then, you know, you're still, I feel like I'm still constantly justifying to people and saying like, but you know, I'm doing this for a reason. I'm, and, and sort of feeling that judgment. Have you heard that from anybody? I don't know if I'm making sense at all. Yeah, no, you absolutely do. I think, you know, we live in a culture that really elevates people when they, when they lose weight and looks down on them when they gain weight. Uh, That's just kind of the social construct that we kind of live in these days. And I think it's hard mentally for anyone to think positively when engaging in weight gain or any type of, you know, change that isn't getting smaller. I think that's a huge issue. Uh, But I also think it's important to recognize that when you're trying to change the way that you look at something, it's almost like trying to change, uh, let's say, because you're you're a weightlifter. uh, It's like saying, oh, my form for my deadlift is incorrect, but I've been doing it this way for 10 years. So in order to change your form and make that change feel natural and comfortable, it'll take 9,000 to 11,000 repetitions for you to achieve that. If you look at it in that context, you know, your, your form is the same way as your way of thinking, the way that you see the world. It'll take thousands and thousands of repetitions of you being conscious and aware of, of you even saying, oh, you know, I'm doing this on purpose. Like, I know what I'm doing. And like, this is for, you know, X and Y reason. Uh, it's, it's kind of like you being aware that you're saying that the same way as you being aware that you're trying to correct your form when you're executing a deadlift, but knowing that by practicing and creating this awareness around this one thing, you're, you are leading yourself in the direction towards subconsciously changing the way that you think and subconsciously changing the way that you see the world and the way that you think the world sees you down the line, you know, that nine to 11,000 repetitions later, Uh, that's where you're heading. You know, each rep is getting you closer to that being part of your subconscious as aware, as opposed to being a part of your conscious. So it's, it's definitely moving you in the right direction. And sometimes it feels like a failure. But ultimately, it takes a long time for that to become a part of of who you are and the way that you think. And uh, it just takes a lot of time to get there. Okay, that analogy makes so much sense. I I love that um, because you're right. It does take <laughs> take a lot of of repetition. Um, uh, so let's dig in a little bit more 
to the working outside of things. I love your videos when you put them up on Instagram that have some of your workouts and some of the new moves that you're doing. And you always look like so happy doing them too. Um, and I guess I just wondered, what does your current fitness regime look like? You know, how, where, where does it sit for you? Because I know you're an active person in terms of feeling like you're in the right spot activity wise. Well, to give you some context, I, I've been all over the board with how I've chosen to exercise and engage in activity. And ultimately, I don't have a defining goal that I'm looking to achieve. I'm not trying to run a marathon. I'm not, you know, I'm not training for that. I'm not training for a powerlifting competition. I'm not training for a bodybuilding show. So the way that I look at exercise now is from the context of like, what helps me feel really good. Um, I do think in the back of my mind, I always have this idea of like, you know, I would like a bigger butt. So when I do weight train, I implement a lot more lower body movements like deadlifts, hip thrusts. Uh, but these days I'm only weight training, I want to say like one to two times a week. I mean, it's been crazy the last month with just my social calendar and things going on, but I've been weight training one or two times a week, staying between, you know, eight to 12 reps when I do that. And then I do a little bit of HIIT training through F45, I'll do one or two classes there. And then I've been really getting into yoga lately because it's been, my mobility has been a huge uh, kind of missing piece to my training in the past. Um, So I've been trying to work on my mobility a little bit. So really it's just whatever I feel called to do. And after years and years of exercise and being in better tune with my body, what it needs, how it feels, I feel much more qualified to make those decisions of, okay, my body needs rest today, or okay, I feel really good, I feel energized, I'm going to go lift some heavy shit today, or I feel sore from that weight training session, so I'm going to do some yoga today instead of, you know, this or that, or, you know, even I'll throw in a run here and there. It's so much more strongly based on how I feel than anything else, which is definitely something that I feel a lot of people lose out on when they track macros and they follow a program. They feel so committed to what they're doing that they lose sight and they lose that intuition or that ability to look inward and say, here's how I feel. Um, Here's what I need. They kind of lose sight of that. And I think macros and and training programs are super helpful because if you have a specific goal, you need to be a little bit more specific with how you approach those goals and how you're going to get there. Uh, But having that ability to know what my body needs and also pay attention to how I feel has been a like fundamental change in how I've adjusted towards like this newer lifestyle uh, and what really makes me happy and feel really good with with my body, what I'm doing, and how I'm getting there. Yeah, that's great. Sort of actually following how you feel. I like that. And not just being like, nope, today I got to run, no matter yeah. how I feel. 
<laughs> yeah, isn't it? Sorry, sidebar. Isn't it so funny how you can ask me like the most straightforward question? What does your training look like? And I just turned it into like a five minute spiel. <laughs> I think it's great though, like because it sounds like you're taking a really organic approach. You're not saying like every week I'm gonna do this any of you know cardio, this much weight training, this much yoga. Like it's it's a real like day to day decision. Right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. And so, but do you still coach clients in terms of hitting like, yeah, I want to run a marathon or, or are you kind of more focused on clients that are more going through this healing, this relationship with food and activity? I do a little bit of both. I would say uh, I really enjoy educating people, women on what it takes to reach a certain goal because, because I do feel education is power. It's very powerful. It is the foundation of, of everything that I've built from that uh, really has given me the, the confidence to, to change things up and to uh, feel really good with what I'm choosing to do. I think when you, when you feel educated, you understand how to reach whatever goal it is that you have in mind for yourself, whether it be health related or performance related, it gives you a context. And again, like a foundation of, okay, this is what this would look like, but how does it make me feel? It kind of just gives you a little bit more context towards, towards everything in life. I, I think that again, education is really powerful. So I like to lead with that educational component of And it's not just, hey, here's how to lose weight. It's let's first make sure that you know how to fuel and nourish your body properly before we address anything else. Uh, Because that is really also the foundation of of any goal is making sure you're feeding yourself enough. And that's a common gap that I see with women in particular is we're scared to eat. We're scared to eat too much. And having the perspective of like, okay, I can eat more. I should eat more. and And this is what that looks like. I think that's really powerful. Now, some people have already done that work and they've tracked the macros. They understand all of that fun stuff. And that's really where we can start to transition away from those things. But when it comes to, I think, transitioning away from tracking macros and and even a very specified training program, you want to make sure your goals align with what you're doing. Is your goal to you know, achieve weight loss still, even though you don't, you know, you, you, you don't want to track macros. Are you ready to let go of, you know, tracking in order to repair your relationship with food? And if that's the case, then this is the kind of the direction that we'll head. Uh, but it's making sure that your alignment with your goals and what you're participating in are in alignment, because if they're not, then you'll feel defeated. You'll feel uh, like there's less purpose behind what you're doing. And and that's really important for anyone who is following any kind of plan is feeling connected to the purpose behind it. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. That then you're like, I'm not sure what I'm doing. And you're you're just sort of flailing around. That makes sense. That makes sense for sure. Um, so I guess I wondered when you're getting into coaching clients, what are some of the tools that you use? You sort of talked about some nutrition education. Um, Are you also, you know, coming up with like training ideas and things like that or um, recipes or anything else even beyond that, like mental health wise that you're 
that you're helping clients and, and giving them in terms of ways to move? Yeah, so I created a group coaching program where I provide daily Monday through Friday journal prompts that have a lot to do with understanding really who you are, why you are the, why you are the way that you are, and who you want to be, what kind of person you want to be, not just what you want to look like. Uh, like I said earlier, focusing just on nutrition and exercise got me absolutely nowhere in terms of sustainability. So I want to incorporate as many aspects outside of that as possible. So we have daily journal prompts. I do weekly Zoom coaching calls. It's very lecture style. Um, very reminiscent from uh, when I was in grad school or I was an undergrad. I want to basically deliver all of the information, the education that I had through my formal education and afterward with my experience of here's kind of like the the bread and butter, here's the meat and the potatoes of all the information that's helped me better understand my body, just everything. So I kind of go off into tangents about nutrition, we talk about diet cycling, we talk about training for different goals, so rep ranges and energy pathways. And then we go into supplements, like health supplements versus performance supplements, what works, what doesn't work, fad diets, things like that. And then just kind of bring it all together in a review of, okay, here's everything we went through. Here's how you can apply it. Here's how you can apply it to yourself. Here's how you can apply it to other people. And in between all of those different weekly Zoom coaching calls, I do check-ins with them where I give them homework after the Zoom coaching call. And the homework helps bring all of the information and helps them apply it to themselves so that I can make sure that they understand everything that I'm saying that they know how to apply it and how it can benefit them or other people that they maybe want to work with as well. That sounds so helpful, especially the education pieces and sharing, you know, some of how you've interpreted things in your own life. I think that sounds great. Um, and so I guess one of the things I'm thinking of is just how confusing it is in terms of where people should be. I mean, even when I was going through my last health transformation or whatever we want to call it, um, you know, I was really focused on from my trainer, five little meals a day. Um, you know, we were doing protein based at every single meal, a little bit of carbs in the morning and then, and then heavy protein and focused on sort of sustained eating. But then since then I've seen so many trends come across, like, you know, we've seen keto, we've seen intermittent fasting, fasting just generally, that's like, you know, full day fasting and things all over the place. And I think people get to the point where they're like, I don't know if I'm supposed to eat, if I'm supposed to not really eat and <laughs> so confused. So I wondered if there are any health philosophies and this even leads into like the health at every size um, conversation as well, where, you know, we're really just looking at, well, what's right for my body um, and looking at more intuitive eating and, and the healing relationship with food. But are there certain areas of thinking that you draw upon, I guess, as you're putting together this curriculum um, or, or what is sort of the basis that, that you're finding really ringing true with you now? Yeah, so every, well, the position I take with my coaching is very science research based. I don't 
provide any, like, if I was on keto, I would certainly not be advertising keto because it is not for everybody. Uh, I'm not on keto, so that is irrelevant. But uh, but I come from a very science-based background, and that's the front that I want to always lead with is here's what the science says, and here's how you can apply it to yourself. I think when it comes to different fad diets like keto, intermittent fasting, and and I'm sure people would love to argue with me that those aren't fad diets, but they they kind of are. And the biggest, I guess, if you're looking at all of those as a whole and you're asking yourself, why does this work or will this work for me? If you're looking at a list of all of them, starting with keto, keto works because you're in a calorie deficit. You're creating restriction around something that's allowing you to be in a caloric deficit. Intermittent fasting works because also you're restricting the amount of time that you can eat. And it only works if you're in a calorie deficit. There's no magic behind either of those or any specific diet that you're on beyond the fact that you're creating restrictions, allowing yourself to be in a calorie deficit. Uh, Just because you eat more fat doesn't mean you burn more fat uh, necessarily. And same thing with intermittent fasting. Your body doesn't really burn more fat or um, lead you closer to your your goals faster simply because you're restricting your calorie intake window. Um, All of these things work because you're in a calorie deficit, which I know people are so annoyed with uh, because there are some other variables that you can throw in there that are important to note, but it's just so individualized uh, that really looking at all of these different methods for whether it be weight loss or if you're trying to be just a little bit healthier, start really small. Those are really extreme examples of lifestyle changes that to me personally sound incredibly restrictive and would hurt my mental health more than it would help me in any, in any other way. So for me personally, I know I will not participate in restrictive behavior because of my past, because of my history with my eating disorder, because I know that any form of restriction is going to have negative effects on me. So I stay away from those things. I don't encourage people to lean into those things because of my own personal experience. But I also have the understanding that if you're in a good mental health space and you want to try these things and see if they work for you, they certainly might. Uh, But there's no magic behind any of these systems that is greater than simply creating a calorie deficit, if that's what you're looking for, through eating a variety of different foods at a variety of different times throughout the day. Mm, Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense for sure. And, And I like, you know, that you're kind of breaking that down a little bit. For people, because I do hear that from a lot of people where they're just like, I'm so confused. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, that's that's great. And it seems like you're, yeah, science-based approach and, and making sure that you're staying away from kind of the restrictive behaviors. And I think that's personally where, where I'm headed as well, that it just seems like anytime I come up against that restriction, then it becomes you know, this, this sort of battle and it, it's just challenging. So I wondered before we wrap up, um, if there are any other tools or advice or even anything else about your coaching that you want to mention for listeners? Uh, let's see. 
I don't know. I mean, there's so much information out on the internet. It's almost hard for me to advertise, hey, just go on YouTube and look up XYZ. But I think doing a little bit of research, not toward, not leaning in towards diet culture, but leaning out of it can be really helpful. Listening to you know podcasts or YouTube videos talking about um, health at any size, hey, the Hayes movement, I think that can be really empowering. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just, there's so much educational material out there that it's free and it's available. Uh, I think just spending a little bit of time, even if it's two to five minutes a day, looking for a new perspective, because as I mentioned earlier, all it takes is one train of thought or one piece of information to flip a switch in your mind and it really can help resonate with you and, and help you open your eyes to something different than maybe you've been exposed to your whole life. Yeah, I totally agree for myself, just learning a little bit about the health at every size and even the term diet culture and then sort of digging into my own fat phobia and biases that I have as well has been really powerful powerful to kind of see, yeah, this is where some of this thinking is coming from that um, is has been leading me into some of these directions. So that makes that makes a lot of sense to me. So I'm sure listeners are going to want to find out more about your coaching and, and everything about you. How can they do that? Where are the best places online, social media and all the places? I am on Instagram. I'm on TikTok now, which is new for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Instagram, TikTok, at the Sam Plan, T-H-E-S-A-M-P-L-A-N. I have a website, uh, thesamplan.co. I am also readily, like, the most available via email. I'm always open to conversations, to providing more information through email. My email is samplanme at gmail.com, S-A-M-P-L-A-N-M-E at gmail.com, uh, which is just the easiest way to get, get a hold of me. I, I used to say Instagram, but things can get lost in DMs. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and if I have like a lot of them, it might take a few days or a week or two for me to get back. So the easiest and the fastest way to get a hold of me is just through email. That's awesome. And I'm sure people will want to hear more for sure. Thank you so much, Sam. I appreciated while you indulging some of my uh, (laughs) ramblings about my own journey, but definitely hearing about um, your philosophy and and the path that you've taken in terms of fitness and health and nutrition and all of that. I, I appreciate your time so much. I appreciate you providing me a platform to just share a little bit of my perspective and Hopefully, you know, this helps someone in some way. And that's all all I could ever ask. Uh, But thank you so much for having me on your podcast. And yeah, anytime, anytime you want to chat, I'm always happy to talk about this stuff, because I feel like, you know, there's not a ton of people who you can readily chat about this stuff with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much to Sam Guaz for her time today and being on the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. Like I said in my intro, I just learned so much from her and it was just so exciting to connect with somebody that um, is is so into health and fitness and and speaks my language. It was it was just such a great. 
great conversation to have. And I really recommend that you check her out. So on Instagram, she's at the Sam Plan and the same thing on TikTok at the Sam Plan. On the web, she is www.thesamplan.co. You can also find her via email at samplanme at gmail.com. And I think just connect with her. Connect with her in one of those ways. I know you're going to love her workouts. You're going to love and be totally inspired by what she's doing out there in the virtual world and probably going to want to connect with her for some coaching if this is something that you're interested in learning a little bit more about. I hope that everybody is doing well out there. We've finally gotten some amazing weather here in Ontario, Canada. Um, you know, weather where you're sitting outside, you may be getting a little bit of vitamin D and, you know, nice, nice breeze. We're not too much into the humidity yet. I know it's coming. We did have some very active weather um, over our Victoria Day long weekend. It was really unfortunate. A lot of people in the province had damage and um, lost power due to really strong thunderstorms. So it's nice to see that we're kind of starting to come out of that and, and get some nice weather to enjoy. We really relish in that in Canada. So I hope everybody else is getting that nice weather too, getting a chance to get out and enjoy it, get their vitamin D, and is having a good spring leading into summer. I hope to be back in a week, but if not, then it'll be two weeks again, and I will be back with another episode next time focusing on parenting again, where we're going to be digging into how to know when your teen needs help. So Join me for that one and have a great week. Have you read my novel Pendulum by S.E. German yet? If not, what are you waiting for? And if you have, I would love to hear from you. If you don't know about Pendulum, it's a heartwarming story about a young boy who starts to experience neuropsychiatric symptoms after an infection. We follow the boy as he goes through many regular, real middle grade issues like moving, having a crush, playing sports, also while experiencing neuropsychiatric symptoms like anxiety, OCD, tics, panic attacks, and more. If you're interested in checking out Pendulum by S.E. German, it is available through Amazon Worldwide, where you can even see a preview of the book, or you can listen to chapter one, which is on episode 64 of the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. I hope you enjoy the novel, and thanks for your support. Thank you for listening to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. Please keep in mind, this podcast is not intended to be medical or professional advice. If you'd like to hear more from me, you can follow me on social media, Instagram and TikTok at Sarah Lady Gluten or Facebook, Sarah underscore Gluten Free Lady. You can also visit my website, which includes author information, speaking information, and more info on the podcast at www.se-german.com. If you like the podcast, please feel free to review the podcast on your favorite platform and also subscribe because it means that it will show up for you every week on your favorite podcast platform. Also, we've just started to have the ability to support the podcast. You can find this link in my Instagram bio or visit Kofi 
ko-fi.com slash learning to slay the beasts. Thanks again for listening and have a great week. Thank you.